Welcome. This talk was recorded at Insight LA in Long Beach. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at InsightLA.org. Right. Good to see everybody. Yeah, so yeah, I thought today we would um, tell a little bit about a great great Tibetan teacher, uh, Atisha, and uh, his contributions. Uh, so a little bit a little bit about Atisha. Uh, I've always had a connection with him. He just seems such like a such a beautiful being. He has a similar story to the Buddha, actually. He was a prince, you know, he's he was you know born very privileged. He's born in India in the ninth century. And and you know, when he was like a teenager or whatnot, his parents arranged a a marriage for him. And he had a vision of Tara. So he had this really amazing connection with Tara, you know, uh, one of the Buddhas of compassion. And she said, you know, don't hold off on this whole marriage thing. You know, there's, there's something else that might be happening for you in, in a spiritual sense. So, so he did. And, uh, you know, soon, soon after that, he was in Bodh Gaya at the stupa and he had, you know, another, another vision of Tara. And he was asking Tara, you know, what is the best aspect of the path to practice? You know, what should he really be focusing on? And she said, without a doubt, bodhicitta, bodhicitta, the heart practices encapsulate the entirety of the path. And that really set him forward on on the on the rest of his his journey he really took that to heart and I, and i think that's you know really what i love about his teachings is you know if you read a lot of the teachings they're really infused with this um as, as Sokni Rinpoche would say essence love you know bodhicitta is really really big in in his teachings also although he's known about he's known for the entire path which i'll get to in a moment but they're just really they're soaked in in the heart practices they're like marinating in the heart practices. And, and so hearing this, he he said, well, he thought, well, I really need a, a teacher for the bodhicitta practices. And so he learned of a, of a teacher who lived in uh, Burma. And so he, he traveled there from India to Burma. It took him 13 months to, to travel there. Uh, Traveling wasn't as easy, <laughs> and uh, and he and he learned, you know, quite quickly. He met this this master, and he 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 did his own discernment, you know, and said, "Yeah, this this is a good a good teacher." And and he got the teachings, and I always love, you know, hearing these these stories because the teachings, you know, were probably around Tong Lin Seven Point Cause and Effect Method, you know, meta practice, these types of things, and. These practices are very simple, as we as we know. We could we could learn them, like we could learn the instructions of them very quickly. Um, yet he stayed there for twelve years just to make sure that he got it right. He stayed there for twelve years and practiced because uh, he wanted to to bring these teachings back, but not on 
not at not the instructions. He didn't want to bring back the instructions. He wanted to bring back the embodiment of the teachings. So he spent 12 years there practicing. And then he came, then he went back to India. And he became a professor at Nalanda, which of course was the, the historic uh, Buddhist university, the best in the land, Nalanda. And he was known as one of the best debaters in Nalanda. So around the same time in Tibet, Pabasambhava was this, um, you know, almost a godlike being, almost like a Buddha being type of being who brought Buddhism to Tibet 200, a couple hundred years, you know, before that. And, and the Buddha Dharma flourished in Tibet, but the, now it was dying out. So there's a lot of confusion, you know, around, around uh, the Dharma in Tibet. And so they really needed an infusion of the Dharma. Pabasambhava, uh, although he's known for this, uh, this first turning of the will of Dharma in, in Tibet, and you know, that tradition is known for like the, the Zogchen, like the real clarity of, of mind essence, the wisdom piece. Uh, he, of course, also had this, this connection of just insane bodhicitta, right, within his, his teachings. And, and I, I feel like th these two really embody that so beautifully. Um, just a, a little, little offshoot here, just because it came to mind, I just said that, is that uh, you can still visit Pabasambhava's cave in, in Nepal, where he, this 12-year this thing comes up quite a bit <laughs> in, in Buddhism. He also, he went to a cave and, and spent 12 years uh, meditating in a cave. And you can go there. and and you could sit in, in that cave. And I had the opportunity to, to do that. And it was like a surreal experience. It was so amazing. And I remember when I went in there to sit, um, there was a woman who was, you know, going in there with, and, and she, she wasn't a skeptic, but she was neutral on this whole Buddhism thing. You know, she was just there like, and, um, said, Oh yeah, I'm gonna, you know, go check this out. But you know, going into the cave, there's just an, an, I've never felt it in my life. There's so much bodhicitta there, like this, this amazing, like almost a instant mind transformation to having this, this yearning and, and empathy and compassion for all sentient beings. It was, and I, I was actually thinking the opposite of like, like this mind clarity thing, but it was, it was like, it was like just this beating heart center, you know, that it was like, it was like a heart chakra. I was like walk, walking into like a heart chakra of like a Buddha, <laughs> at least what I can envision that being. And uh, it was, you know, it was really phenomenal. And, and another interesting occurrence, which happens, you know, in, 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 in Tibet mostly with their masters is that they leave impressions in stone. So they will leave a footprint, which is very common or a handprint or maybe an Omani Pemium, they will leave it in the stone. They went Pabasambhava, when he left that cave, he turned around and he put his handprint in the stone. He just pushed it in. And of course it's still there today. And you could put your hand, you know, right, right in the stone. Um, 
so a, a little offshoot, but so the so Tibet needed an infusion of the teachings. They needed they needed a great master, and they heard about Atisha. So they sent a couple officials uh, to uh, to get Atisha to see if they can convince Atisha to come, please restore the Buddha Dharma in in Tibet. So it's a very very important. Uh, uh, time in, in, in history in, in Tibet. So these officials made quite a journey into India. Make a long, a long story short, they, they went there. I can't remember the details. They got arrested. They got thrown in prison, in jail. And, um, or at least one of them, you know, had, had to stay. But, and they had this gold. And this gold was for Atisha uh, to convince him to come and to pay for his journey and everything. And so they had to make a choice either to get this high-ranking official out of, of jail or continue and, and try to get Atisha. And the high government official said, leave, leave me here. Basically, that was it. He was just going to you know, die there because it's worth it. It's worth it for the Dharma. If you can get Atisha, take the gold that we have and go get Atisha, which that's what they did. And so he, he literally sacrificed his, his life for this. And, and Atisha, you know, agreed uh, through another, you know, meditation with Tara. Tara came to him once again and said, yes, it's going to be more beneficial to go to, to Tibet. So he did. And once he got there, he, he created what is now modern day, you know, we known as the Lam Rim, which is the, um, lamp on the path so he he created this text that was that outlined we call it the gradual path so the entirety of the path is encapsulated like step by step so he just like he went through it very very clearly right and created um this this text and it's known as alam rem and lama samkapa and these other uh, other beings took it and really uh, in, infused it with, with, with a lot more wisdom, but the basic outline was all through Atisha. And that text went, made its way back to India. When, and when Nalanda saw the text, they said, oh, how auspicious. You know, Atisha would have never wrote this if he didn't go to Tibet, send word back that it's okay for him to stay because there was like a push and pull of like, who wanted Atisha? So they, Nalanda sent word back saying, like it's very auspicious and beneficial for the benefit of, of all beings that Patricia stays in Tibet. So he did, he ended up staying um, in Tibet. So that's a little bit of, of history on, on, on Atisha. And he had such a huge body of work. It is also common for people to compile, you know, quotes and phrases and pieces of wisdom uh, and and put those in compilations. Uh, so that's kind of what uh, I did today. I took pieces of compilations of different compilations, <laughs> and we just put together some 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 teachings. And I thought that the best way to to do it actually is um, break us up into groups right away. And what I'm going to do is is give each group a uh, a. Uh, a phrase or some words of wisdom from Atisha. And then as that small group, you can go ahead and, and discuss uh, the teachings 
understand the meaning of the teachings and kind of extract those teachings. And then uh, from there, we're going to go back to the large group. And um, we're going to go back to the large group and share what we found out from, from, from each other, you know? Um, so there could be a point person or not, <laughs> just share a little bit, depending on how much time we have and whatnot, just share a little bit about the essence of, of what you uh, extracted from, from that bit of teaching uh, from, from Atisha. So I'm gonna do, so Don's gonna help me with this and I'm gonna see Don. So we have 15 people. I think it's gonna be what, like, I think we're gonna do four groups, Don. You want me to start pasting in the yeah. four items? Right, so depending on what group you're gonna be in, you know, we're just gonna, and put them in here as, as you're seeing come up, group one, group two. Again, so just reading, reading these quotes, um, digesting them as a group, kind of chatting about what you think. And um, if you feel like there's some a little bit deeper teaching, what is what is he extract, what is there to be extracted uh, from these? And yeah, and then we'll be able to share what we come up with with each other. Um, yeah, welcome back. Um, does everyone see the, uh, Lisa, you see, you're not seeing them in the chat box. Does no, everyone, oh, okay. Okay. Everyone's still seeing them. Okay. No, I'm not seeing them, Casey. Um, just click chat. Yeah. If you click on chat, it should bring yeah, it back. I've done that. It's my chat box is empty. Yeah. So okay. it's mine. So is yours. Okay. We will. Get them to you. Okay. Don will get them to you. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to drop them in again right now. Um, okay. And if that still doesn't work, we'll we'll stay on after and we'll figure something out. <laughs> okay. Cool. Okay. I wonder if it has to do with being on a cell. They're both on a cell. It, it might. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh. 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 Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you, Kathy. Yeah. Um. All right. So. It's 11.06. We'll see if we could hear from each group. Um, let's start with group one. And so group one had, whenever a pompous mind arises, flatten such arrogance, recall the teachings. When a cowardly mind arises, praise the sublimity of the mind. Whenever objects of attraction or aversion arise, meditate on the emptiness of both. I love that line. View them as illusions and emanations. When hearing any offensive words, view them as an echo. I love that one. Um, yeah, anyone from, from group one, um, and even though you're sharing maybe from what you guys talked about, still don't share anyone else's uh, personal experiences. Just, you know, stay with your own experience, please. Um, so yeah, we could continue to provide a safe container for everybody. So yeah, so anyone from group one? Um, so we all had similar thoughts about uh, the uh, quotation. And uh, it basically came down to something like, these are uh, teachings of how to deal with various things that arise in the mind. Um, you know, I don't know if you would call them ways to develop uh, 
you know, equanimity, you know, your mind is attaching to things or having aversion to things. And it's kind of a way to, to not uh, allow your mind to be uh, disturbed by any of the contents of the mind. So things are always arising, existing for time and passing away, thoughts, feelings, perceptions. And we're trying to develop the mind that the Buddha talked about, uh, a mind that rests on nothing whatsoever. So this allows objects to arise and pass away without leading to the suffering that comes from our attachment to these mm. things. And uh, so then, the, you know, specific remedies uh, for the pompous mind, you know, we, we have to flatten that arrogance. Uh, you know, we become aware of what we're noticing and then we have to let it go. Um, uh, cowardly mind, you know, we have to realize that our mind is sublime and, and uh, let cowardly thoughts pass away uh, or the mind that's attached or has aversion to things. We just basically notice them and relinquish them. Mm. So that was kind of the way, uh, you know, and, the, and offensive words are like an echo, you know, they're empty. And, uh, you know, they're, they're a lot of times bouncing around in our mind and this, you know, echoes don't even, aren't, they seem like they're coming from someplace uh, and they're no longer, the source is no longer there. You know, uh, a lot of times we hold on to things in our mind and uh, it's the echo that's causing the suffering, not the, uh, if we can just let that insult pass through our mind, it doesn't do us any harm. But when we hold on to it and it echoes and bounces around in our mind, then that leads to a lot of suffering. So that was the things we talked about in our group. Thank you. Yeah, great insights. Wonderful. So good. All right. Anyone? Else from group one. Cool. Yeah, let's move to group two. So group two had be humble. And if you are defeated, accept it gracefully. Give up boastfulness, renounce desire. Always generate the compassionate mind. Whatever you do, do in moderation. Be easily pleased and easily sustained. Run like a wild animal from whatever would entrap you. <laughs> so yeah, anyone from um, group two like to elaborate on what they found there? Who's in group two? All the extroverts. <laughs> I'll go ahead. I just would like to sometimes give other people a chance, though. I sure, sure. Be the one. Yeah. Um, so, if anyone else from the group would like to speak up, feel free, please. Um, you know, we had a good conversation. Um, the things that came out initially were equanimity. You know, um, just that middle road, the moderation, and not 
attaching to um, pride or um, anything that also would get in your way. Um, and then we kind of, it was very interesting, several of us had kind of, we brought up the language sometimes in the teachings and how it takes mm -hmm. us back to our um, religious upbringings of commands, right? Mm -hmm. And so sometimes this always language can get in the way, you know, for us. So that helped us though, to also then break it down a little bit mm -hmm. and also maybe big picture it. So both ways, um, let's, let's, what's the intent, you know, what's the intention? Um, we also, you know, as we're reading it, it's just this kind of lovely equanimity thing and then run like a wild animal. <laughs> we're just like, whoa, where'd that come from? Um, so that was kind of intriguing too. So we kind of um, broke that apart. Um, it's kind of more of taking care, like protect yourself from things that might come your way to interrupt your, you know, the equanimity or something so we weren't exactly sure what to do with that but yeah so that's i my group can jump in if i if you want to add please but yeah i think it was a good conversation thank you for the opportunity thank you yeah yeah if anyone else done from group two does want to chat feel free I'll just say a, a word about this one. What what I enjoy about you know these types of of teachings is that there's so much emphasis on techniques and meditation. And when we talk about our path, like oh, how's my practice? A lot of times people equate that with how long am I meditating every day? If I'm a good Buddhist or good practitioner or not? And but you know I like. To, to read things like this and there's so much more to the path about you know humility and you know boastfulness and just attachment to the me and the mind and and moderation and so not being too excessive and and of course all this translates to a, a subdued mind a, a mind that's that's tame already and calm already and and you know the, the entrapment of of attachment like run things that occupy the mind in an attached way where it can't free itself and so yeah there's so much off the cushion you know practice that that, that we do and it's it's a beautiful reminder when i when i read that one it's a beautiful reminder about all the ways in which we get to to practice and relieve ourselves from suffering you know yeah. all right so friends from um from group three. I, I was in this group and Soleil says something beautiful about and very wise about a, a certain um, piece of this one. And so I don't know if Soleil, if you wanna reiterate what you said there. I know as a group, we really enjoyed it. Um, so what I got from this phrase is um, it just goes back to what the intention of the practice is. Um, so the intention of the practice isn't towards, for example, desiring something such as virtue or recognition. Um, the practice, the intention of the practice 
is just the practice itself. Um, or even what Casey just mentioned, just um, detachment. And so these, I learned that these are two pillars that help, um, help us sustain our practice um, and help us reach this level of tranquility. Um, one is practice, just the practice itself, and the other one is detachment. Um, and detachment, I guess, again, goes back to what the intention is. And so like the last line, you know, like maybe the, the same, similar to what like groups two phrase was, you know, it's, you know, the last line is like snot in your nose, you know, just blow it out. Um, and so to me, that translates to detachment. And, and then JD kind of pointed out that that's, um, that's the right effort, you know, so we, we have that choice. Um, I was aware that I had this dialogue, you know, kind of going on in my practice and I noticed it and I chose to die past that, past that dialogue into my body and just notice what's going on in here. And once I did, once I brought this light in, then that dialogue just kind of faded, you know, away. But again, it goes back to the right effort, my choice to do so. And then again, going back to my intention to just be aware, right? So thank you so much. Love that, thank you. Yeah, anything to add from group three? All right. So how about group four? That's what I get. <laughs> That's what you get for smiling. Don't ever smile again. <laughs> so in <the> face. <laughs> well, we, um, we had a really uh, a lively um, discussions, which it, it makes me somewhat surprised that nobody stepped forward because <laughs> 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 we we were talking in the group. Um, but you know, we. Uh, we I just uh, speak speaking of my own insights and everything. Um, uh, one thing that really stood out to me is is the compassionate mind um, that uh, you know um, does not discriminate um, between not just enemies, but uh, the discrimination we make between um, those who appear or we have assumed to be inferior, uh, and also those who we are perhaps jealous of um, because you know, they seem to have so much. And I mentioned myself, and I think we were kind of all in the, you know, agreement with this, that um, being you know, who we are, what we're trying to practice, um, our tendency is to move more toward um, you know, making those discriminations and judgments against those who appear to have great means and and don't and don't do anything with it. 
and uh, you know, there's there's an element of self righteousness, an element of of you know uh, holier than thou uh, sort of thing, and that goes on in my mind frequently, and it's something that I'm really trying to work toward, and I, I think we kind of all feel that way that that you know it's. Um, you know, it, it's that sense that, you know, you have so much, what are you going to do with it? And, you know, perhaps the inference that, you know, I have a lot less and I'm doing something with it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so, um, but just uh, discriminating against others. And um, the other thing I'll say, and I hope somebody else jumps in also to talk about some of the things because there was a lot spoken, but the, um, you know, that last statement, which uh, in my opinion is where the, you know, the bar stands and that is extend loving kindness to all beings as though they were your own children. You know, that is a tall order, <laughs> but um, it's not, you know, it's something that may not be achieved in my lifetime, but it's something to strive for, you know. So that's it. Thank you. A lot of wisdom there. We all spoke from where we are struggling and where we want to go. And every one of us, you know, when we look at ourselves, um, I like what Soleil said about detachment. I look at it mostly as withdrawal. Um, I don't want to do that. I want to do this. So we're all doing that. Every one of us. That's really a rich, 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 rich conversation. Thank you. Thank you. Um, thank you, everyone, for, for those discussions. I'm actually going to put in just as a, a parting gift here. If, if it, I don't know if I can copy and paste the whole thing or how it's going to show up. I'm just going to try real quick. Um, oh, it actually worked. Yeah. You can just copy and paste this. This is, um, I really love this teaching. It was too much, you know, to kind of put in, to give to some a good group because it's just, you'll see, it's a long kind of list. But um, one time Atisha was asked by his disciples, what is the highest teaching of the path? And then he just kind of went on, you know, and Atisha replied, the highest skill is in the realization of egolessness. The highest nobility is in subduing your own mind. The highest excellence is in having a mind which seeks to help others. The highest precept is continual mindfulness. The highest remedy is in understanding the naturelessness of everything. The highest activity is not to conform with worldly concerns. The highest accomplishment is the lessening and transmutation of the passions. The highest giving is found in non-attachment. The highest moral practice is a peaceful mind. The highest patience is humility. The highest effort is to abandon attachment to activities. The highest meditation is the mind without pretension. The highest wisdom is not to grasp anything as it appears. So cool. 
like <laughs> such there's like so much there you know um so yeah just something uh, i you know i have these kind of place somewhere and I, I revisit some of these teachings that really that i really connect to just kind of remind myself of them and, and this this list is is on that that list <laughs> of things that i really connect with and just to read every once in a while you know yeah so let's just sit for a moment just to dedicate the merit here So at the beginning of the talk, we talked about some, some crazy journeys and sacrifices that beings took to keep the Dharma alive and to bring the Dharma to the people and how rare it was. A whole country, Tibet, was confused on the Dharma. They didn't have Dharma there. They reached out and Atisha was kind enough to come and spread the Dharma. But just contemplating over and over again this precious human life that we have and how lucky we are to have inner resource tools that provide sustainable and reliable forms of happiness and freedom from suffering, which nothing outside of ourselves has the ability to do due to impermanence. So wishing that all beings had access to this and sharing our wisdom, our compassion, our insights with all beings, even if it's just through intention today, wishing all beings happiness, Wishing all beings love and kindness. May all beings everywhere without exception, may they all be happy, truly, truly happy and free from suffering. Om Mani Padme Hum. You have just listened to a recording from Insight LA in Long Beach. For more information, please visit us at insightla.org.